Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This week's presenting sponsor is Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas and one of the hidden gems of this area. If you're interested in local history, from the ranchers and pioneers who settled this region to the American Indians who lived here long before that, you can learn so much from the artifacts and collections at PPHM. Learn more at panhandleplains.org. Today's guest is Liz Rascone Alaniz. Liz is originally from Vega. She was born here in the Texas Panhandle, but her parents immigrated to the U.S. from Mexico with her two older brothers. Among other things, they instilled in Liz a love for small business and the value of education. And that's one reason she's currently a doctoral candidate at West Texas A&M. Since 2013, Liz has also been the executive director of the Wesley Community Center, a multi-generational community organization located in the heart of Amarillo's Hispanic Barrio. So we talk about Liz's career, about the history and value of the Wesley, about the recent growth and progress of the Barrio neighborhood, and a whole lot more. Here's Liz Rascon Alaniz. Liz Alaniz, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, good. I'm excited to have you. We are recording, as we have been the last couple of weeks, on my back porch. So uh, hopefully we can get through it without a bird landing on a microphone <laughs> or anything like that. Well, I'm enjoying it, and it's so beautiful out here. So well, good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It, uh, it's it's mid-morning, not too hot yet. So um, this, is, this is what I've discovered is the best way to record so far. Uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, so Liz, the, the first thing that I like to ask my guests, uh, that I ask every guest, is why are you here? So tell me how you ended up here in Amarillo in the first place. Well, I'm originally from Vega, Texas, which is a small, small town 30 miles west of Amarillo. And I went to a very small school there, junior high and high school were combined. So I graduated with about 32 kids. Okay. There. And so after graduation, I went to Angelo State University, and um, I finished school there uh, in education. And when I met a boy here in West Texas, uh, he was attending West Texas A&M University, and my family's from this area. So after graduation, I came back. Um, I got a job at Amarillo College. I worked there for about a year before I started interning for the Wesley Community Center and I left to work there as the fund development director and administrative assistant, and I've been here ever since. Okay, yeah. tell me about Vega. Did had your family like been there for a long time? Is is that um, you know home to your family, or why why were you in that part of the Panhandle? Well, my family is originally from Mexico, and so when we immigrated here, we landed in Wilderado, which is close to Vega. So we went to Wilderado, and then after that, my brothers, you know, they got older. Um, they started going to Vega High School, and so my family just uh, moved to Vega. And right now, my dad is retired from the agriculture industry. He worked in dairies and feed yards, um, all that industry. And then my mom still owns a restaurant there called Lucy's Kitchen. Okay. Yeah, so my mom still resides there and so I do go back often to visit her and she comes to Amarillo it's just a quick drive so are you so. then first generation American yes okay yes uh, me and my my parents and my two older brothers uh, were are all born in Mexico and then me and my sister are the only ones born here in the United okay. States do you know much about their decision to come here to find work I mean was was that why they immigrated 
Yes, work. And also one of the things that they've always said is they wanted to give us a better opportunity, a better education. And so my family was actually one of the first in um, the Martinez family or Rascon family, I should say, to migrate here. And so we were the first ones that really, um, I guess, spearheaded the you know, traveling over here. And so we've been here ever since, uh, but it was for work and for education. And so, and I'm, I'm really glad that they did that just because we've been able to, I feel blossom here in the United States. Yeah. How do your parents feel about that? I mean, did, did the results of that move, was it something that they look back on and think, okay, that was, that was a good idea? Yes, I believe so. Um, one of the things is that they're really hardworking people. And so when they first arrived here, that's what they did. They just you know, they started working, they started, um, you know, building their business. And so they started um, small. And now I would say that, you know, with being a restaurant owner, my dad is retired, and they're just living a good life. And um, now that they get to see, you know, my brothers and sisters and us just thriving, I think that's, you know, the fruits of their labor. I'm always curious, when I talk to guests who grew up in some of the smaller panhandle towns, Mm -hmm what kind of perspective they had on Amarillo, you know, as a kid, as a place that you might visit on weekends, that you might go to, you mm-hmm. know, for shopping or entertainment or something like that. I mean, what did you think about Amarillo growing up in a place like that? Well, since Vega is really small, you know, Amarillo was the big place to go. And so uh, we were always in awe of it. And I th- everybody always asked me, well, why'd you go to Angelo State University? I was like, I thought it was like a really big town, you know, or a big city. And I, I just didn't know. I was just... Um, I guess a little sheltered, you would say, uh, living in a small town. And I didn't really know about the existing of even like gangs. I thought that's one of the things that you saw, you know, in movies and mm-hmm. things like that. And so it's really exposed myself to. They weren't um, on the streets of Vega or anything. It, no, absolutely, absolutely not. And so you do see a lot of different sides. Um, that you don't see in a very small town, especially um, as I would say, I was a little sheltered. So when you decided to go to Angelo State, um, obviously that's that's not the Panhandle. You had to travel a little bit to get there. I mean, what was what was your plan? Were you thinking I'm going to go away to college? I might end up back here, or mm-hmm. I'm getting out of here and going someplace else? Right. Well, I thought I was going to move. That was kind of the plan: move to Angelo State and then move to a bigger city, Dallas, or um, any of those places. But I didn't expect to come back. But I, like I said, a boy and uh, my parents lived over here, my brothers and sisters. So I, and I was really homesick. Hmm. Um, I'm an identical twin. Oh, are you really? Yes. And so we separated. I was at Angelo State. She was at West Texas A&M University. And so I was ready to come back. I was homesick. I needed my sister. I needed my family. And so, but um, like I said, I ended up at Amarillo College and I loved it there and then just kind of progressed to the Wesley Community Center. Tell me about your career goals. I mean, you are in uh, nonprofit work, development, all that mm-hmm. stuff right now. Is, is that something that you were hoping to find your way into as you went to college? You know, both of I have two degrees. I have my first degree is at a bachelor's in education. And I was supposed to be a teacher, EC through sixth grade, generalist, EC through 12th grade, special education. And then my master's is also in education. And then I'm currently in year two in my doctoral program. Okay. So I do want to go into the education path eventually, maybe work for West Texas A&M University or even the Amarillo Area Foundation. So that's really my career path is try to focus on um, either if I go to Amarillo Area Foundation, do want to work still in the nonprofit industry, but also to WT 
your Emerald College also and go into education. So I have different career goals. My husband always tells me, what are you going to be doing when you finish your doctorate? I don't know. I don't know just yet. Does anyone else in your family have that sort of educational ambition? I mean, is is, is this something like that your parents really push the education and uh, you'll create opportunities for yourself. Yes. Well, my my parents are divorced. So when I was small, one of the things that my mom used to always tell me and my sisters that education was not an option. And so I wanted to go do, you know, take a year off after high school, do all these things. And she said, no, you're going straight to college. I don't want to hear any of that. So definitely was not an option. But and I'm glad it kind of led that way. And now it's just kind of like I won't stop. It's right. one of those things that just keep going. It's strange. But I really do love school. I love being a scholar. I love being a student and I love learning. And I think that's kind of one of the things that you have to do as you progress in your careers, uh, learn different uh, perspectives about life, about kids, about elderly population is I, I like to learn about everything. So you've, you've attended San Angelo State, which obviously mm-hmm. is, you know, it's its own university, but you've also got experience, you know, in the, the local educational component from Emerald College mm-hmm. or, or WT. I mean, what, what can you say about those institutions here in Amarillo and the value that, that they provide mm-hmm. this area? Well, one of the things is that when you come to, you know, the panhandle and, you know, and one of the things you notice about Amarillo College and WT is how present a lot of the leaders are Hmm. so i would say like russell and dr windler they're really present in the community um they come to our events they come to the wesley community center they um, invite you to different places to different conversations and you just feel like they're your friends that you know them and so i think that's one of the big aspects that i like is that um, even the board of regents is just are really present in the community you mentioned the Wesley. Um, for for listeners who don't know a lot about the organization or really the role that it has played uh, in its community, could you tell me a little bit about its history and, and what the Wesley does? Yes. So the Wesley Community Center has been established since 1951. And so we've been there um, for a while now. And so the way that... Well, 70 years. Yes, yeah, <laughs> 70 a years. Long, almost 70 years. It is a years. long time. And so... It was originally as a Hispanic ministry. So a lady named Maria Fields, who was a native of Argentina, had this idea to build a Hispanic ministry in the Barrio neighborhood. And so she gathered all these ladies who are United Methodist women from Polk Street, United Methodist Church, because that's our mom. That's who originated us, I, I say. And they raised all this money and they bought a house, eight bedroom house, and located it there in the barrio. And so when we first started, we had a baby wellness clinic, an after school program, sewing classes, anything you can think of um, back then. And that uh, they had, uh, I guess, the resources and material for it, they did at that little center. And it, that little house actually still exists. It's um, about maybe less than a mile away from the Wesley. Okay. And so it's so cool. I'm always sad that they gave, you know, they had to sell it for, you know, a capital campaign to, you know, raise money for the new building. But Right now, uh, of course, we've expanded that, and we have over seven programs and projects that we do through the Wesley Community Center. And it ministers or, or works with not just um, parents or not just elderly people or kids. I mean, it's right. it's every generation, right? Yes. We go from babies as early as six weeks old to senior citizens that are 100 years of age. Hmm. And so we just had one of our senior citizens that he turned 90 years old. And so um, he's been going to the center for about 20 years, you know, and so that's really it's a 
it's a place for people to come of all walks of life, all walks of faith. And so it's just a really special place that not a lot of people know about, you know, but it is considered the heart of the barrio. And so we try to expand it through different programs there. We have a uh, child care and after school, a summer camp program. We have a youth modeling and mentoring program. We have a nationally and state-ranked uh, wrestling club. Right. And uh, we've even had uh, students in that club uh, try out for the Junior Olympics, and a lot of them go to college to wrestle on full-ride scholarships. And I think that's one of the things about the Wesley Community Centers. We try to give all students an opportunity, regardless of your socioeconomics, you know, status. And so um, it's kind of a, a place for growth. And you, you mentioned it, it being the heart of the barrio. That That's not just in terms of a um, services provided, but but also as, as just kind of a central location, a meeting place, yes. a, a place where families meet each other, where mm-hmm. uh, people gather together. Tell me about that role and, and why it's important within that community. Well, I think one of the things that Wesley has done really good over the years, um, and this started by my predecessors, Belinda Gonzalez Taylor and the Reverend Jacinto Aldarete, is that we've built really good relationship with a lot of the community there. And so, you know, if people are needing help with immigration, they come to the Wesley Community Center. If they need resources to find about where to get food, they come to the Wesley Community Center. So it's just kind of like the neighborhood hub that we have. Uh, we even house Los Barrios de Amarillo, who's uh, our civic affiliate organization that's been established there since 1971. We have counseling services if people need, uh, we do on a sliding scale basis. So people can come to our facility and receive services from $0 to $20 in, in our mental health counseling hmm. services. So we, it's just a wide variety, but we've built trust over the years and people just feel comfortable going there. I know that the um, there's been a lot more attention given the Barrio neighborhood over the last couple of years mm-hmm. uh, as the city has looked for ways to um, to aid in its development, uh, mm-hmm. maybe to help it catch up, you know, right. after several decades maybe, uh, of, of less interest, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about some of the things that you've seen in just the last couple of years being so present in the community mm-hmm. uh, and, and maybe what is making you hopeful about how that neighborhood is responding. Right. Well, one of the things is that when we looked around the neighborhood, there does need to be improvements. And I think everybody on the neighborhood barrio plan and even people from um, an organizations that that uh, Mercy Murguia and Manny de los Santos and I started called Breakfast in the Barrio, we really sat down, we did a SWOT analysis and we kind of said, hey, what are strengths? What are weaknesses? What are opportunities? What are our threats? And we called community leaders, even um, from AISD, from the police department, we sat down and we said, this is the plan. And from there, it actually launched the Amarillo Barrio Neighborhood Plan in collaboration with the city of Amarillo. So identifying our weaknesses, but also I think we're really in the path of success and finding our strengths. One of the things that, you know, we'll be working on is lighting in the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. even from the park, from the Alamo Park, from East Park, uh, just different beautification projects, working on the sidewalks there. There's a lot of uneven pavement. And so those are some of the things that we're tackling in the near future. I'd like to take the opportunity, you know, since you're here and and you're so familiar with the neighborhood um, and and the community of of people that you serve, a lot of times people who who maybe live in southwest Amarillo or northwest Amarillo Mm -hmm. don't venture into the barrio, don't have 
um, a real idea of the culture there beyond maybe having eaten at a few restaurants. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet it's so central to Amarillo and to Amarillo's history. Um, Can you tell me a little bit just about what you've learned, uh, not as somebody who grew up there Mm -hmm. because you grew up in Vega, but as somebody who's so invested there now, um, about the people who live there and and the role that they play, you know, maybe here in Mm -hmm. the city? Well, one of the things I will say is with the Barrio neighborhood, it is glowing and growing and it is uh, thriving. And so one of the things is um, coming in, you know, I, you know, didn't have a lot of education on a lot of the people or the people who live there. And it's really friendly. Um, Everybody knows each other. It's like your neighbors. People still call me and they say, hey, Liz, we've been watching the Alamo Center and there's just somebody sleeping on your porch or something. I don't know. That's how friendly it is, is that people take care of each other. There's really rich culture of the Mexican-American heritage. You can drive by and you can eat at um, La Frontera, who's one of the, also when I guess I, I say part of the um, the barrio neighborhood, the heart of it. Uh, you can pass by Power Church and they're just growing and um, they do a lot for our community. Um, you drive by downtown and we have a beautiful mural now. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that um, come visit us. You know, I live in Southwest Amarillo too and I know that the barrio neighborhood is growing and there's so many small businesses coming into that area. And it's just a lot of opportunity there. And so, and really bring your business. There's a lot going on over there. Okay, so you you mentioned Los Barrios de Amarillo. You are someone yourself who is you know several years deep in the educational process, uh, and I know education is a big part of you know the efforts behind the Wesley, behind you personally, uh, behind that organization. Uh, so tell me why education is something that you're pushing so hard, you know, within the barrio community. Right. Well, I'll talk a little bit just about myself, then I'll go to Los Barrios. But I do, as I was stating earlier, is that my parents are from Mexico and they've always instilled that educational aspect and really support it. And it's just really stuck with me. And I want other you know, students to have that same opportunity because I didn't have anyone to sit down with me and help me fill out my financial aid application or, or scholarships or anything like that. And so one of the things that we're doing at the Wesley Community Center, specifically with Los Barrios de Mario, is promoting higher education and also career opportunities for youth. So we don't just advocate for four-year programs, two-year programs, but also trade school. Hmm. And so we uh, acknowledge that a lot of the students are going into trade school these days, welding, um, being a firefighter, anything you can think of is um, that's been really big lately. And so with Los Barrios de Amarillo, one of the things that we hold uh, two times a year for high school and middle school is an event called Step Up to Success. And then we've most recently, through Potter County Commissioner Mercy Morgia, implemented Step Up to Success 2.0. And so really targeting uh, those goals, um, really educating students on that, uh, you know, when I was in Vega, everybody's either ranchers, teachers, or anything, you know, like that. And so I really want, um, and we really want students to know that there is different opportunities out there. You can be a nurse, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be, uh, again, a welder. And so there's different opportunities besides what you know. Right. And so uh, this past year, we've really increased it. We give over 60 scholarships uh, to all students or students who apply to our scholarship in Region 16. And so we give over $60,000, $50,000 a year away. And that's important because, like you said, a lot of families, you know, 
maybe they have expectations that their kids uh, find a career that's mm-hmm. maybe not as hard as what mom and dad have been doing, or maybe has a little more stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the kids don't always have that modeling to see, oh, this is an option for me. I can go to this mm-hmm. two-year school. I can get the certificate. I could be a welder. You know, they, they look at teachers saying, go to college, and they mm-hmm. think, I don't want to be in four years at a university. I don't feel like I belong there. And so just seeing how many different opportunities are available, Mm -hmm. um, all of that is better than uh, maybe just finding the first, you know, low income job that that opens up and being stuck there for a long time. Right. That's one of the things is just opening their eyes to different experiences. You know, at Step Up to Success, we even have Chef Bud come out Hmm. and uh, we even open them up to, hey, if you want to be a chef, this is how you become a chef. If you want to go into accounting, this is how you go to accounting. We've really partnered up, partnered up with Amarillo National Bank, uh, Altura Engineering and Design, and different industries in Amarillo to help us with these projects. And they've really stepped in and uh, really, you know, taken this, taken in the students into their facilities and and taught them, you know, I started here, you have to have this kind of degree or this kind of trade to get into these types of industries. And they've really, uh, the students, uh, when we do the surveys, we really have different positive feedbacks from all of them. I'd I'd like to hear a little bit, since you are someone, um, you know, running a nonprofit and like you said, reliant on a lot of the generosity of Amarillo's business community, of the corporation's um, it's one here, thing I hear a lot is that there is so much of that corporate generosity, whether it's volunteering, whether it's giving. Um, it's one of the reasons that we have such a great subculture in the nonprofit world and, and so much effectiveness. Is that, I mean, is that accurate? Absolutely. One of the things that I've noticed um, if when, you know, people describe the panhandle or anything is the generosity. Um, I see it um, in different ways just because, like you said, I work in the nonprofit world. But if you are on the struggle bus or you are needing assistance with a different project, we know we can count on our different constituents in the community, um, different corporates uh, to get these sponsorships or donations in order to really sustain your programs. Because right now, especially through the pandemic, it's been so difficult. And I really thought, you know, when we first started, I'm like, oh, my gosh, people forgot about us because Hmm. donations just drastically dropped and uh, we were scared. We were so scared. And one of the things is that I got a phone call. My first phone call was that from the Amarillo area foundation from Matt Morgan. I, I won't ever forget Matt Morgan. And he said, Hey Liz, how are you doing? I'm just checking up on you. And he said, well, the Amarillo Area Foundation wants to help you. It's not like a big grant application. We're just, you know, we just want to see what your need is so we can help y'all. And I told him the need and he just stepped in and, you know, they sent us a donation. United Way did the same thing. They've been texting us through this whole pandemic and just saying like, hey, how are y'all doing? What do y'all need? You know, and so just generosity and our partnerships with these people are just amazing. It's amazing. I'd like to think uh, a, a little bit, because I know you've been so instrumental in, in helping plan for the future of the Barrio neighborhood and thinking about the neighborhood plan and, and some of that stuff. I mean, what, what are your hopes for that community over the next 10 years or so? Like if, if you can transport yourself 10 years into the future, which would be really nice given the present moment, um, what would you like to see uh, in that neighborhood? I would like to see 
maybe some housing improvements, um, again, just neighborhood improvements, cleaning up our alleyways, just coming together to really take pride in our neighborhood. We already do that. We just need help. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's why the city of Amarillo kind of stepped in and said, hey, let's partner. Let's do the neighborhood barrio plan. And that's kind of happened in some of the different neighborhoods now. It's not just the barrio, but also North Heights, San Jacinto. They've been really active with us and trying to help us revitalize a lot of our neighborhoods. So, Liz, as someone who um, didn't grow up here, but has spent, you know, your adult life here, you've been pursuing an education here. You operate a nonprofit. Uh, you're a new mom. Uh, have a young family. Tell me about the decision to kind of stay here, build your career here. You know, looking back on the last few years, um, do you feel that that was like that was a good choice? That this is a good area to kind of be doing what you do. Yes, I I do believe that. You know, my husband really loves his job. He works at Pantex and is obsessed with his job and I love my job and so we're really right now comfortable where we are it's a great place to raise a family um there is you know some things that you wish you know um they could be more open about in this city be more open to accepting of other people and their different beliefs but other than that I really do enjoy it here um and I'm very hopeful for the future for my daughter being so small but I I really do hope that some things do change This week's episode is sponsored by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum, located in Canyon on the campus of West Texas A&M University. Since June 1st, the museum has been welcoming guests at 25% capacity. Panhandle Plains encourages guests to book tickets online at panhandleplains.org. It also encourages visitors to wear face masks for the protection of fellow guests as well as museum staff. They've also set up hand sanitizer and washing stations throughout the facility, Remember, Panhandle Plains is the largest history museum in Texas. That's not just a statement about its three million artifacts, but about its enormous physical footprint. You've got plenty of space to social distance there. The museum is even offering a $40 summer pass for four people, which is good for admission all the way through Labor Day. It's available at panhandleplains.org. Look, we're only halfway through 2020, but this will be a year that's represented in history museums for decades to come. I'm certain of that. And places like Panhandle Plains are more important than ever, especially if we're going to preserve our history and learn from it. I'm so grateful for their sponsorship of this podcast. Again, you can learn more and get admission tickets at panhandleplains.org. Okay, we're back with Liz Alanese. Uh, Liz, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions as my guest. You get to answer those in as much detail as you want to. The first one is a relatively new one, but this is what I'll be asking uh, to start this part off for the next few episodes, I, I think. But what's one thing these last few months, whether it's the, uh, the pandemic, whether it's the protests about injustice, what, what's one thing that those have revealed to you about Amarillo? Well, one, with the pandemic, as I stated earlier, just the generosity. I just, you know, whenever you think that people forget about you, they didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just trying to form a plan, you know, because everything is just so new. So we appreciate everybody who's been so generous to the Wesley. And regarding everything, you know, going on, um, I would say that I would encourage people to reach out to your neighbors and be really open-minded and just be respectful of everybody's different views. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? 
I have two. If it's Mexican, I like El Tejaban because they have really authentic Mexican food. And then Delvin's is just delicious. Okay. So two of those. How, uh, as someone whose mom, you know, ran a restaurant in Vega, like, how does El Tejavan compare to your mom's cooking? Can you say that on <laughs> on air? Is that something that... Well, you know, like everyone says, no one compares to your mom's cooking. So I definitely give my mom an A+. Plus. So, but I love El Tejavan. They, they're super delicious. Okay. I won't press you too hard. I, I know you have to be real careful. Um, what's your favorite local coffee shop? If I'm home, I go to Palace Coffee on Culture. If I'm on Ross at work, I go to Cliffside. I like to keep it local. Okay. And Cliffside is relatively new in that location, yeah. right? Yes. And all Wesley staff, we've been supporting it since it's came all about our neighborhood. We love it. Right. Which is one of those examples of uh, a business that had a presence in other parts mm-hmm. of town and decided to put, you know, a, a, a coffee shop there. And it has done really well. Yes. It really has. Uh, I think every morning... My whole office is filled with Cliffside Coffee. Okay. Yeah. They have the drive through You just go around. We love it. They oh. And they're good supporters of the community. What does this area have too much of? Hotels. <laughs> I was in a presentation one time, and I was just really surprised, and they were shocked how many hotels we have in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. And it really is. For the size of us, it, we do have quite a bit. Per capita, I think we have more hotel rooms than almost any city I know. this size. Yes. Um, which, given the traffic on I-40, I guess makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it is it is stunning when you actually see the numbers. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of that rolls into the economy, too. Yes, so. that's very true. All right, what does this area not have enough of? Recreational centers. Okay. Yeah, we get phone calls all the time if we rent out our, you know, we have a full-size basketball gym. Right. And we get phone calls all the time. There is not enough recreational centers with full-size basketball gyms or, you know, children to play volleyball or anything like that. So, but Wesley's working on it. We have a campaign coming up and we're hoping to build one, so... Yeah, that really is true. And we've had a couple of opportunities as a city to to vote for some of those kinds of things that have not... Um, come to pass. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's most of the uh, large-scale gyms are property of the school system, which yes. means it's sometimes hard to, to mm-hmm. get that kind of access. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? Generous. I like using that word because that's really what it is. Generous, um, especially working from the nonprofit world again, I get to see a lot of People who, you know, people don't realize um, are donors, Mm -hmm. but they have been really generous. But also I would say that um, we need to be a little bit more open-minded, Okay, you know, and that's just one of, you know, my things. I totally agree. (laughs) What's the most underrated aspect of living in this area? The barrio neighborhood. Okay. (laughs) I think the... uh, a lot of people don't realize all the things that are going on over there and the growth that's happening um, on in East Amarillo. And so I think it's really underrated and we need to really shed li- more light on it. I love the idea, and I've, I've heard other guests say this before, that it's important for people to get out of their own neighborhoods mm-hmm. just to spend time in another neighborhood, whether it's going to the barrio and eating in uh, at, at one of the restaurants there or right. going to an event at the Wesley or something like that, that there's just some value in going out of your familiar circles mm-hmm. and entering somebody else's for, uh, for even just an, an afternoon or something. Right. Absolutely. I think even 
you know, take some time, go past by the, you know, the mural that we that just was recently created this past year. And there's a lot of really rich culture that a lot of people miss. And I, I say that to every neighborhood in Amarillo is just kind of travel and take the opportunity to learn about what's happening in other people's neighborhoods, in our neighborhoods. Yeah. When was the last time you went to the Big Texan? About 10 years ago. 10 years ago. I All know. Right. You know, it was, um, you know, they were having like this, I don't know what they're, they're having an event and me and my husband went and uh, I haven't gone since. So if I had a friend coming from Amarillo, I definitely would take them to the Big Texan. Okay. Liz, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something. So what is one thing that you would want listeners to know about or to experience related to this area? Well, I would definitely endorse the Amarillo Wesley Community Center because I have to. That's my that's my home. That's your job. Yes. And so the Amarillo Wesley Community Center, we've been there since 1951 and have an array of different services. And also Los Barrios de Amarillo, who's been there since 1971. And we really are the true, have true culture of the Mexican-American heritage, but also we're both the heart of the barrio. So I endorse those two. Okay. So I, I want to ask you this. If, if you have someone who maybe lives in another neighborhood, um, wants to maybe volunteer at the Wesley or wants to participate in Los Barrios de Amarillo. What opportunities are there? How, how can somebody who maybe is not a part of that community or may not feel a part of that community, how can they contribute? Well, they can always become a member of Los Barrios de Amarillo and you can be a mentor for students. You can uh, volunteer for our different fundraising events that raises money for scholarships. Wesley Community Center, we're always looking for volunteers weekly, daily. And so we have fences that need to be painted. We have rooms that need to be painted. We have a second location that's about to uh, launch here Mm -hmm. in about maybe another year. And so there's definitely a lot of volunteer opportunities for people to take advantage of. Okay. Liz Alanis, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. I had fun. Thank you. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks again to Liz Rascon Alaniz for doing the interview on my back porch. Also to Angelina Marie for editing the show, including the moments when large trucks drove down the alley. Uh, She took all that stuff out. Thanks also to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring this episode. If your business is interested in sponsoring the podcast, or if you as an individual want to support it, all of that's possible. You can do so by visiting patreon.com slash Supporters of Hey Amarillo include executive producers Katie Linger, Jess Heredia, Neil Nossiman, Ryan Pennington, Jennifer Callahan, Joshua Rafe, Chris Selda, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Jason Burr, Wes Reeves, and Valerie Gooch. This has been episode 152. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>